Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 99. 99! I love that show. My name is Matt Sin. I'm here with my little brother Micah and my cousin Kyle. And we are here to tell you all about the week in review for AEW Dynamite, WWE Friday Night Smackdown, and of course, Monday Night Raw. How are you guys doing? I just realized why you've been naming the episodes W-I-R. Why? Because it's week in review. Right. You're correct. You know, I was like, why is Matt not words? <laughs> no, on our little save thing, because I go, obviously, I did the episode last week, so I went in to do an episode, I was like, why does Matt do a capital W, a lowercase L, and then a capital R? <laughs> that's Wrestle so, Life Radio, baby. That's what I thought it was. I was like, what? Wrestle Life Radio. <laughs> So you could tell if you if anybody ever hacks into our uh, our uh, database with all our recordings in it, <laughs> you'll know which ones that I recorded because it's capital W L R and Matt's R W I R. That's really good. I didn't I did not know that. I didn't know you did that. Like it just dawned on me. I was like, yeah. So anyway, hi, hi. Well, yeah, we're we're glad to have you here. <laughs> I'm here. Welcome welcome back to Planet Earth. You did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. You guys did a great job last week, by the way. I appreciate y'all taking care of everything. I was tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm still tired. Yeah. Before we get started, I do want to point out that this Saturday we're going to have episode two of Indie Focus. Uh, I just met a girl named Shiloh. She's an indie wrestler out of Canada, and we had a really cool talk. Episode's about 40 minutes long. Hashtag support indie wrestling. Make sure you check it out this Saturday. But before we get into our weekend review, we have to do... This day in wrestling history. That's right. That's as good as I'm going to do. Ten years ago today, April 22nd, 2010, it was a black day for the WWE as they released Shelton Benjamin, Mickey James, Funaki, Jimmy Wang Yang, Terry Gordy, Katie Lee Burchell, and Mike Knox. And I'm pointing this out for a reason. That's because Shelton Benjamin, Mickey James, and Funaki have all returned to the WWE. And I hope that means that some of the people that were just released will be back to World Wrestling Entertainment soon. I'm sure they will be. I wouldn't come back, but I'm sure they will be. <laughs> I mean, if the money's right, you know, what are you going to do? Did you see the uh, the guy that went on the Florida and talked to the governor or something, sent in a question? This is a uh, yeah. WWE employee. Yeah, I did see he that. He basically said, hey, shut this stuff down. This is a danger to my health, and yep. we all need to go home. Yeah. You know, a lot of places, whether it's, no matter what kind of company it is, they say, you know, you don't have to work. We won't hold it against you. And the company may be telling the truth, but as an employee, it's like, you know, people hate calling in sick, right? You feel guilty for calling in sick because, you know, you're, you're letting your company down. You're letting your coworkers down. So I can understand them being like, well, I'm not going to go home. If these other people aren't going to go home, they might hold it against me. So I understand where he's coming. He or she is coming from. I only feel guilty if I'm not actually sick. Yeah. Also, if, go those ahead. of you listening, if you were uh, upset with Mr. McMahon after all this crap, and I know, Matt, you were pretty upset on yes. our uh, the episode, which was a great episode. I wasn't on it. But Thank you. It was That's why it was great. Oh, I'm kidding. It, it, was, it was, honestly, it was good to hear it from your perspective because you're in the finance world and having all the numbers and stuff. That's actually stuff that I hadn't heard. Uh, so, great A uh, commentary you. from us here at Wrestle Life Radio. Yeah. But... 
if, if you're, you know, pretty salty at Mr. McMahon for him letting go of all these people when they clearly didn't have to uh, in this horrible time that we're living in, uh, you can at least know that he's now being sued by Mr. Oliver Luck for the whole XFL fiasco. I saw that! $20 million, man! Yep, and I hope he wins. Yeah, I do too. And he's 100%. probably got a good shot. Yeah, I, I yeah, and I think that if he wins, there will be more lawsuits that come out from that. Yeah, pretty yeah. screwy situations. So. Yeah. So anyway, as we were talking, I hope that some of these people get rehired um, or go on to to be successful at other places. You know, Shelton Benjamin was really successful. He, him and Charlie Haas won the Ring of Honor tag titles twice. Obviously, Katie Lee Burchill was uh, uh, in TNA. And she won the Knockouts Championship, I, I believe, twice. I'm pretty sure. Jimmy Wang Yang, as Jimmy Yoon, I think is his real name, still wrestles for All Japan. Jimmy McMahon. Jimmy McMahon, yeah. And, of course, Funaki's been a Japanese wrestling commentator for about four years now. SmackDown, number one announcer. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. But let's move into AEW Dynamite before this episode is six hours long. Um, there's a lot to go over this week. We got... Three shows that I think we might spend a little extra time on. Um, specifically AEW because of that main event. That big old main event that I think we're going to have very, very different opinions on. But Micah, I'll let you take it away with AEW Dynamite. Alright, we got a lot of matches to go over. It's a it's a packed show. Not a lot of, uh, let's say, important matches. But there are a lot of matches to go through. The number one uh, match of the night, and probably the best match of the night in my opinion, is Colt Cabana versus Lance Archer for the f- uh, quarterfinals of the TNT Championship Tournament. You got uh, Lance Archer finally facing a big boy. We're going to see how he, how he does. Can he do his finisher against a grown man? Spoiler alert, he can. Uh, we're, we open up the match, and uh, I just got to say, Colt Cabana's entrance is one of the best in AEW. I love it. Every time, it's boom, boom. Colt Cabana. 100% awesome. agree. Great. Uh, I can't wait for, for an audience to come back and to see him come in. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, I think he's only had one entrance in front of an audience, right? That was uh, the pay-per-view yeah. that he debuted on. In his hometown. And that was in the, that was in the pre-show. So I'm, I'm looking for a, a big pop of that entrance. Uh, great entrance. Great Titantron. Anyways, let's get into the match. Uh, <clears throat> Archer begins his entrance and just attacks a random fan, which is an uh, indie wrestler, I believe. I didn't catch who exactly it was. But uh, yeah, he just attacked a, what would be a regular fan in the stands, and that was a, a bit weird. But uh, he's got a lot of aggression, a lot of anger that he's going to dole out on Mr. Colt Cabana. Uh, he enters the ring, immediately knocks Cabana off his feet, and then the bell sounds, the match is officially starting, uh, Jericho is putting Archer over. Yes, Jericho is back on commentary this week, and he is great as always. Best Him part of the Skivon. show. He really is. Uh, we'll talk. I may talk about it a little bit more later, but I think commentary is the one place that AEW has shined throughout these empty arena shows. One hundred percent. When agree. when they got Jericho in there, uh, are it's, you telling it's me perfect. Chris Jericho and Tony Schiavone are better than Corey Graves and Michael Cole? <laughs> I mean. You know, he doesn't quite or have Or Jerry the, Lawler and his crew of misfits on Monday Night Raw. He doesn't have the uh, the sound bites down like the WWE commentating team does. It's boss time. But, uh, yeah, you know. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but WrestleMania was too big for one night. Oh, my gosh. How uh, many times are we going that. to hear 
that they have to climb the corporate ladder. Too also, many fun times. fact: there are uh, WrestleMania was too big for one night, and <laughs> Ross commentary t- team is too big for one table. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Anyways, back to the match. Yeah, it basically, I mean, it was a pretty hard-fought match from a Cabana's point of view. Archer obviously was going to come out of this with the wind. Uh, you've got, you know, you've got the, the faces and the heels separated by the uh, ring, obviously, as AEW has been doing. you got a couple chants for Colt from the face side for Let's Go Colt. Not a whole lot of support for Archer, but, you know, he doesn't need your support. He's the Murderhawk monster. And, yeah, he's, he's basically, you know... <sighs> He's just beating Cabana down. There's a couple spots where he gets a little bit of offense in. He tries to fire up, but Archer's just no-selling him, man. He's just beating him down. And I think that it's perfect. Uh, Jericho continues to put him over. We had a little mid-match commercial. We come back. Archer's still dominating the match. One of the uh, one of the wrestlers in the audience even shouted out, Show some mercy! which was uh, great, and Jericho acknowledged it and was like, we don't show mercy. There's no crying in baseball and no mercy in AEW. <laughs> uh, he's, he's so good. Uh, Cabana starts to make what looks like a comeback. He goes for the uh, flying apple, and uh, for maybe the first time in the bout, it looks like you know he's going to maybe come up with this, but that doesn't last long because uh, Archer gets Cabana with his blackout, I think is the name of the finisher. Maybe? I believe that is correct. Blackout. Uh, not the black mask, the blackout. And, uh, yeah, uh, Kevin Nash was wrong. He can do it to one of the biggest members of AEW's roster. And uh, he is just a murder hog monster, I guess, as you would say. So Lance Archer is the winner of your TNT Championship quarterfinals, in this uh, branch at least. And he will probably be the winner of the entire dang thing. And he should be, because he is awesome. Just wait until but he has it, to do that move on Luchasaurus. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, I don't want to see that. Luchasaurus will get injured. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Cole Cabana did a really good job, too, because when when uh, Archer did it to Marco's stunt, he basically just tossed him, right, because he's twice as big as Marco's stunt. Colt did a really good job tucking his body and, and uh, controlling where his arms went so he landed the right way. I just I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, the physics of that move don't really make sense to me, but uh, somehow he pulls it off. I don't know. He's got a got a lot of muscle mass, obviously. Uh, after that, we had a little promo going towards the main event. You had uh, Ariel Hawani, which is an ESPN MMA reporter. It's kind of cool to see some other uh, realms of sports media in AEW. Basically, putting Jake Hager over, you know, he's an MMA guy. I don't know if you know this, but Jake Hager is an, a Bellator fighter. Hey, Have did you guys you know, heard this? Did you know Britt Baker's a dentist? I, You know, I'd heard some things about that. I thought maybe dental assistant, but uh, I, I guess she could be a dentist. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's, I don't know. I, some people think it's really cool when they see stuff like this. I, I have a problem with this, not because of... He's ESPN, he's not wrestling or whatever. I have a problem because they kept putting over this main event, and we will get to the main event later. Uh, you also, after that, had Taz analyzing Jake Hager, which is a good good use of Taz. You know, he's a <sighs> amateur-style wrestler. Um, he, he obviously is a lot of ground game submission and stuff like that, so he's the perfect person to go over uh, Jake Hager's skill set going into this. But yeah, they're still just building up this 
hype. They've been building up for a little while, but all show long, they're building up hype for this huge pay-per-view style, empty arena, no-holds-barred title match. And we will get to that a little later. After that, we had Dr. Britt Baker versus Cassandra Golden. Britt Baker coming off of a great performance last week. Uh, She lost, but that's probably the best loss she could take in her career. Um, It was great. She had her nose... No, okay, so before, before the match, she had a vignette in her dentist office, because I don't know if you know this, but she's a dentist, and she's got her nose all taped up, selling the injury because uh, she deviated her septum, broke her nose or whatever. It was a really interesting vignette, and I said it from the beginning, Heel Baker is the best Baker. It's great. A lot of people didn't see it whenever she started to turn heel on the cruise. I'm glad that people are now starting to realize how into character she's becoming. She's still not the best wrestler. She's still very green. But I think as a character, she's probably the best in the women's division, in my opinion. Uh, Going into the match, we had the golden one, Cassandra Golden. Uh, We've seen her before. She She was on Dark. Yeah, she was on Dark. I think she lost to Swole. Was it Swole she lost to? I don't remember, but can we not... Okay, so let's, let's talk for a second. Okay. Cassandra Golden, the golden one. Yeah, it's bad gimmick. Yeah. Like, be the golden one, Cassandra... The Golden One, Cassandra Clark, but not the Golden One, Cassandra Golden. How about Cassandra the Golden? That's still bad. Yes, it is. <laughs> still bad. Uh, anyway, so she comes out to get squashed, and uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Britt Baker, she's got a an updated Titantron, I believe. Uh, looking at it, it's a little, little refreshed, which is I, good to see. I don't remember. I believe you, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, this la- match lasted like a minute. Uh, Baker had Golden on the ropes with the spot she did against the genie girl. What's her name? Yuka Sakazaki. Correct. They, uh, she had that spot trying to knock this girl's teeth out and yeah, squashed her, got the victory. Uh, I don't like squash matches, but I think this was really good to have Baker get this squash coming off of last week. She has so much traction after that loss that I think it's really good for them to give her a win. And I don't think they have a whole lot of the women's division to work with in their current circumstances. So that I am okay very correct. with Yeah, I'm okay with this circumstance of a squash match. Um, after that, guess what we had? We had more Hager and Moxley build up. We had a bunch of celebrities on there. I don't care. We're moving on. We had the Bubbly Bunch, which is a Brady Bunch parody, complete with the intro with all the faces and their webcams. It was great. Um, you had Proud and Powerful, Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho, Boring Hager. You had all of them there, and they're uh, they're just doing their doing their thing. Jericho's there in his kitchen. He's he's pouring some OJ onto the counter because uh, I I don't know depth perception. Maybe he's been hit to one, one too many times. I don't I don't know, but yeah, it was cool. I I like all the Jericho vignettes. I've never seen a bad one. I don't think this is one. What do you think about it, Matthew? I really enjoyed it, but on the Jericho scale, I thought it was just okay. It was very entertaining, but it wasn't anywhere on the level of when he was parodying Cody or when he's talking to Vanguard 1. Not even close, but I did enjoy it. His part also was specifically good, Uh, and I also liked Ortiz a lot. Sammy was great, Um, but the Jericho part was terrific. The rest of it was okay. It wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. But that's not because it wasn't good. It's because it wasn't exceptional. And all of his stuff has been exceptional. 
Yeah, it's that's true. It's not his best vignette, but it was still good. Uh, better than what we see most of the time from other talent. We're, we're going to get to it on Raw, but the Viking Raiders had a uh, sing-along in oh, the car. God. So, <laughs> so, so that's like... That's a carpool karaoke. Yeah. What you call so it. I do want to point out that this was this was not the Viking Raiders stuff. The Jericho stuff was very good. So please don't think I'm I'm saying it's not. It's just his other stuff has been some of the best wrestling things that I've ever seen in my life, and I've been a wrestling fan for twenty something years. So this yeah. was good. It wasn't bad at all. It just wasn't exceptional, and I was expecting it to be exceptional. Does that make sense? I, I understand. Yeah, you, you have a high bar for there for Jericho. Yeah. He's uh he's been on the top too long for you. But yeah, after that we have Sammy Guevara's match versus Shug D or Suge D, I think Tony Skiavone uh <laughs> called him. Yeah. Which Good is job. the white the whitest thing. I think Jericho uh, I eventually gave up and just started calling him Pineapple Pete. Yeah, that's that's his name now. Um if I were him I would one hundred percent roll with that. When Jericho gives you a name, <laughs> you go with it. Yep, one hundred percent. Uh because he could, he could I, raise his booking fees four times. Absolutely, he could be the uh, uh, the artist formerly known as Shug D, but the artist now known as Chris Jericho's favorite wrestler, Pineapple Pete. He's got to wear the Pineapple Pete shirts all the time. Got to get some pineapple tights. Get it out there. Get it done. But yeah, uh, he actually he did some uh, Shug D did some uh, search for Spears promo work on Twitter, and he gained a lot of traction with that. Uh, a lot of people were big fans of him, and he actually is based out of Atlanta where they're recording, so they ended up getting him in for an earlier recording. Uh, I think it was Ooh. actually even in Jacksonville, uh, and he gets squashed by Spears. Okay. I think it was Spears. So that I guess that knocks him out of the... Uh... No, it wasn't Spears. It was somebody else. I don't remember. Anyways, he's getting squashed by Guevara this week. That's what matters. Um, yeah, it was, it was a squash match. It was a long... Longer squash match than you normally see, which Jericho actually did a good job of explaining this because you see a lot of times that squash matches get drug out because they're filling time. And Jericho basically said, Hey, Guevara is getting his face on TV. He's extending his TV time. He could have won this match 10 minutes ago, but instead, he's drawing it out. He, would, he did the thing where he kind of like halfway pins him. He did the Jericho pin where he puts his foot on him and flexes. Uh, it was really good. A good squash match, again, in my opinion. I think Shug D, he's got a lot of comedy in his in his routine. I think he has a chance to be very good. Uh, I'm not really the one to critique, but I think his one setback is his physique. Um, I think if he put a little bit of work into that, I think he could easily get signed by AEW and would be great for their lower uh, card. But, again, I'm not one to critique because he looks better than I do. So, Same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after the match... Uh, Guevara gets on the mic, and he, he pulls a Paul Heyman, says he's going to give a spoiler in the TNT Championship Tournament, and he's going to beat the S-word uh, out of Darby Allen. And he says he's going to give us a preview of what that will look like, so he goes over there and starts to beat on Shug D. And guess who runs in? Darby Allen. He hits the ring, makes the save, a very face move out of a guy who's kind of been morally ambiguous here lately. So... I don't know. He's kind of he's still in between. I think that's a good place to keep him. Yeah, and, he definitely uh, wanted to beat the ish out of Sammy Guevara. One hundred percent. That is that is true. And again, somebody else gets to say the S word before Chuck Taylor. What is this AEW? Get on the ball. Is a, is Chuck Taylor ever going to get to say it? I think that's a funny gimmick. 
I think they're gonna save it for. I think they're gonna save it for like a pay per view or something. Yeah. But his whole thing is he wants to say it on TNT. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I think he may have said it like on Darker one day. He's like, no, that doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah, the rule is uh, like they get one ish per show or something like, or like per hour. Because they're PG thirteen, like, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Jericho got bleeped for the saying the same word on the show, and I think Hager said it or something. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. I don't know. I think uh, I think Moxley was saying it quite a lot during the uh, the uh, main event. Yes, I think uh, there's like a per hour limit on it or something. Maybe I can't remember. It's, there. There's it's, a rule. Yeah, it's dumb. I mean, we're watching guys beat each other and bleed, and I don't, I don't get it. Whatever. Uh, more celebrities give some Hager Moxley predictions. Again, building it up. This should be the match of the millennium. Spoiler alert: It was not. Uh, after that, we have Kip Sapien versus Chuck Taylor, the second best match of the night. I really enjoyed this. Had some great comedy Orange Cassidy spots. Uh, Chuck Taylor obviously is a very comedic wrestler, a very funny guy. Uh, I I like Chuck Taylor, and I like the best friends, and while the fan of the best friends would like for me to have Chuck Taylor win this match, I think Kip Sabian really needed this match um, uh, more than Chuck Taylor does. He's still over pretty much no matter what at this point with the best friends and Orange Cassidy. They're going to be over, but Kip Sabian has been taking a lot of L's lately, so especially going into the tournament, he definitely needed this. Uh, best spot of the night, you had Penelope Ford jump up on the ropes and try to seduce, uh, Chuck Taylor, and, like an idiot, he kind of fell for it, she's, like, over there, like, taking her jacket off and, you know, being all whatever, and, uh, Kip Sapien, uh, Sabian, not Sapien, I don't know why I always say Sapien, Kip Sabian, uh, takes advantage of it and gets over on Chuck Taylor, but then what do we see? We see a shot of freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. He's there on the ropes. He's locking eyes with Kip Sabian. And he slowly starts taking off his jacket. He's looking at him seductively. As if to say, come here, big boy. Yeah, he like he like grabs his finger and puts his pinky and puts it in his mouth like <laughs> Penelope was, Ford did. It was great. He and is freshly squeezed, so. He's freshly squeezed. And wouldn't you know it, the sexual energy of Orange Cassidy was just enough to distract Kip Sabian. Got Chuck Taylor over a little bit. Uh, of course, we had some more shenanigans. Uh, you had Orange Cassidy getting DDT'd by Jimmy Havoc outside the ring. You had Penelope Ford doing her Penelope Ford things. And yeah, you got Kip Sabian ended up getting the win because of the help of his girlfriend, or fiance now, I believe it is, Penelope Ford. I, I'm i okay with this finish. I liked this match. It was a good match. And not only that, because of this match, next week, freshly squeezed Arns Cassidy in action versus Jimmy Havoc. Looking forward to that. Yeah, Jimmy Havoc attacked him. Yep, he DDT'd him on the outside of the ring, and yep. that was just enough to send him over the edge, and I believe next week he might even try, folks. You heard it here first. After that, we had more celebrities... Oh, Matt, this is too much. This is too much. With more people coming in to give their hype for the empty arena match. I would prefer it if they would have hyped up the Kip Sabian versus Chuck Taylor match. Moving on. We had to bring ourselves down a little bit. We had another squash match. I think that brings it up to, what, three? Three of the night? You yeah. had Sean Spears versus Justin Law. Uh, 
you know, Sean uh, Spears lately has been gaining a lot of traction with these empty arena shows. He's been available for all of them, so he's been getting a lot more TV time, and I think it's done him well. I really do. Um, he's a very good worker. I think he's very charismatic. He's very funny. Um, but it's, it seems like they were trying to keep him to the lower to mid-card, which is fine. you got to have some good people for that. And uh, he doesn't seem to mind it either. He's got a paycheck. He's got he's able to have his own school, his wrestling school, so I don't think he has a problem with that. But I think these empty arena shows have been able to showcase him a little bit more and not just on Dark. And actually on last week's Dark, he got over on Billy Gunn which I think is pretty impressive, and I would have liked to have seen that on Dynamite, to be honest with you, instead yeah. of this squash match Same. and 80 celebrity predictions. Whatever. I guess, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I think it's uh, also, pretty good with him uh, without Tully. Yeah, honestly, to, I, Tully is, is no no benefit to him. Whoa, to be with you. whoa, 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 whoa. I, how is he any benefit to him, other than he's a name? Well, that's one. And he's also a really good promo. I mean, he's not Jake Roberts, but Tully's a good promo. He's a member of the Four Horsemen, man. Come on. I just don't think. But what has he done? What is what has he done beneficially for Sean Spears? I don't think he's done anything. Yeah, I thought not, Sean not Spears had a lot Tully, more traction. But I, I kind of agree with Micah. I think he he he's a good. Obviously, he's a good promo. He's a legend. But he would be better suited for somebody that can't cut a promo. And Sean Spears can cut a promo, and I think Sean Spears had a lot more traction when he came in alone and got the chairman gimmick and hit Cody upside the head with a chair. But you know, whatever. That's just just two man's opinion versus one man's opinion. That's, no, I mean that's fair. You know, the the what is it? Democracy is one here, uh, so we're right. Also, wow. Matthew, I don't know if you should know this, but uh, Billy Gunn, he lost his last name. He's just Billy now. No. Yes, he's Billy of the Gun Club. They cannot call him Billy Gunn. I don't know why. He owns the trademark to Billy Gunn. I looked it up. I don't know why. He was not referred to as Billy Gunn. He was Billy and Austin Gunn of the Gun Club, but they took away the Billy Gunn. They must be having some sort of dispute somewhere. Oh, boy. Yeah, but he owns Billy Gunn, so I I don't know. know. Maybe they didn't feel like risking it for Dark. Uh, Anyways, Sean Spears won this match. He hit him with a C4, and that was it. Uh, after that, guess what we had? More celebrity predictions. These might as well be surprise roll-ups are happening so often. It's too much. Uh, by the way, it was uh, it was some celebrities, but also a lot of UFC uh, or MMA people. Yeah, it was like, like broadcast big, members and stuff Ariel like that. Ariel Hawani, Big John McCarthy. And just, just so everybody knows and we can get it out of the way, basically the MMA guys picked Hager, wrestling guys picked Moxley. Except for the inner circle guys. Yes. They all all the inner circle guys and the MMA guys picked Hager. All the other wrestling people picked Moxley. All of them. Yeah, did all I need to did, know. Did either of you think that Hager had a chance of winning this match? Oh, no. Mm-mm, none. No, but yeah. I mean, he's... He, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it. He's like Scorpio Sky. He's the perfect TV opponent. Is he? He is. Is he? Yes, he is. Yeah, okay. and he was undefeated going in this match. So, he. I mean, he's a formidable opponent. All right. Okay. Right, that's fine. It's two against one, Micah. Remember that d- okay. democracy thing you're talking about? Yeah, that's fine. My vote's just more important because <laughs> I'm the one reviewing it. This is my show. <laughs> this is not the I've got super delegates here. I've got super <laughs> delegates. Step down. All right, so we, we've got this main event. It's an empty arena. It's in Daly's place. It's pre-recorded, obviously, a few weeks ago. Uh, it's an empty arena, no holds barred, I guess, because some holds were barred, so I don't know, whatever. Uh, it's 
my I have a couple of um, I'm gonna let Matthew go over this match because I'll be honest with you, I didn't like this match at all, and I don't feel like going over the entire thing. It was like 30 minutes long, and and I feel like he will give a more level-headed opinion because I just didn't like it at all. I didn't like the match. I liked the way the match started. I like technical wrestling. I like Kurt Angle. I like uh, a lot of you know amateur style wrestlers. I like Taz. I think that it can be done very well. I didn't think it was done well throughout the entire match. You had it started out like a submission match, which I would like to see some more of. I need some submission matches in AEW. Uh, not with Jake Hager though, please God no. Um, it was first of all, both of them had camo shorts on. Why? John Moxley doesn't even normally wear camo shorts. They were the Why same are they wearing color the same too. Gear? Yeah. Why are, they're both camo shorts? Why was that? That was a dumb decision. Second of all, Jim Ross is on commentary. Jim Ross is my favorite commentator of all time. In my opinion, he's the best wrestling commentator of all time. He's the voice of my childhood. I know he's got some problems, but if anybody's going to get a match over, it's Jim Ross. But at this point in his career, JR is not enough to carry a 30-minute, no-holds-barred match between in, in an empty arena as well. Whose decision was it to have one commentator on this match? You've already got it quiet. He has nobody to bounce off of. Why would you... It's pre-recorded. They finished this match weeks ago. Why couldn't you have Excalibur in there? Why couldn't you have Tony Schiavone in there? Why couldn't you have the normal... Have Taz in there as much as they've been building up the match as an actual wrestling match. Whose idea was this? Why? It was, it was a poor decision. It really killed the match for me, to be honest with you. Uh, more than anything. Because... JR obviously has his faults, his flubs. A couple times during the match, he was saying that it was a no-holds-barred, and then other times he's saying it wasn't a no-holds-barred. He doesn't have enough energy for me to carry the match. Uh, it sounded like a video game, because obviously it's recorded after he's not in the arena. It sounded like a video game voiceover, uh, like you would get in SmackDown vs. Raw, which I've seen a couple times here lately in these NBA arena matches. But if it's pre-recorded anyways, why not have the entire commentary team? That doesn't make any sense to me. So, I thought it was just fine. And I think that you, I would have one other person there with JR. I think you're right. I don't think it really detracted from the match. But there was a couple moments where no one was saying anything. And I'm like, this is a little strange. Because it's silent. And maybe, you know, someone's doing an arm bar or something. And I'm like, alright. You know, maybe that we should be getting some background information on one of these guys. So, I do understand where you're coming from. And it, it's... I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but I don't, I don't think it really took away from the match. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I, I thought JR did a fine job. I mean, doing a one-man show, I mean, obviously you would have liked to have somebody there, but I, I'm just imagining it was some circumstances where it, JR was the only guy they could have on there for some reason. But for what he had, I thought he did a good job. Like, he wasn't, he, he didn't detract from the match for me at all. And that's, I mean, if you're there and you're being on your constant, I mean, the, even the, you know, the no holds barred or the, you know, he wasn't sure if it, you know, the, what was it, the count outs or the, um, like, he wasn't sure about the rules. Right. But that could have just been something, he might have just got the wrong information out of that. Well, I mean, it's AEW, that, I can't keep up with the rules either. So. Yeah, that's fair. Right. So, I mean, but other than that, like, I thought he did fine. Like, he, he wasn't, like, crazy the whole time. He could have easily been, like, over the top. I mean, he was, I thought he, you know, kept his pace with the match pretty well. 
Um, so I, I thought he did fine, and I I enjoyed the match. I okay, it was well, I'm, pretty good. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. I didn't. Uh, also, I they it was had a better than Ed Jordan. It was much better than Ed Jordan. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. It was actually a match. That wasn't really a match, in my opinion. That was just a backstage brawl. Um, the they had rope breaks. It's no po- no holds barred. Why was there rope breaks? I, I don't know. AEW their rules are all over the place. I they still can't figure it out. I don't know. It's a no holds barred match. How hard is that to figure out? You're gonna have non DQs in your non DQ matches. This match literally is no holds barred. There are no rules, in my opinion. You have to pin somebody or submit them, and uh, they had rope breaks. I don't know. It's weird. I don't like that. Uh, do either one of you want to go over what happened in the match? Because, in my opinion, all that happened is they kind of groaned and walked around and, and did some wrestling moves outside the ring. It was better than that. Kyle, I'll let you do it if you'd like to, but I'm willing to. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, like, like you said, it's, it started off very... Um, kind of catch wrestling grappling style uh and obviously hager is also uh decorated amateur wrestler doing mma john moxley uh even said uh recently in an interview that he's actually been doing like jujitsu and grappling stuff since like you know his early wwe career uh he just wasn't able to do it as much because he was traveling on the road kind of similar to cm punk so they did a very convincing uh and you know pretty well done grappling session to start the match so i mean that i you know really enjoyed um they you know did some good striking exchanges with each other uh hager threw moxley in the barricade at one point um raked his eyes through him over the barricade did like a pile driver on the concrete or moxley went for a pile driver on the concrete but hager did a backdrop um they fought into the arena uh moxley even locked in a figure four on the the railing on the arena uh, just, you know, just kind of all over the place. Uh, Hager missed a Vader bomb at one point, and uh, Moxley got him with a knee strike. Uh, then he caught Hager off the second rope with a DDT, went for the cover. Uh, but uh, Hager was able to roll in his head. and He got a head and arm choke on uh, Moxley. Um, basically, uh, Moxley rolled to the floor. Hager, uh, Hager followed him and uh, used a chair to attack uh, Moxley, he uh, rolled him up for a near fall on the inside of the ring, but uh, and then Hager used the chair on Moxley's leg. Um, Hager applied an ankle lock. Uh, Moxley was able to kick him off, hit a double arm DDT, got a guillotine. Uh, they traded strikes. Moxley hit him with the chair again, then hit a paradigm shift onto the chair, and that's how he was able to pin him. So I mean, it was just sort of like a slug fight between these two. Uh, like I said, used you know went throughout the arena, and. I mean, it wasn't. It, it went long, like I, you know, I, I totally get that part. But I mean, it, it had a good flow to the match. So it, you know, it built from the kind of grappling exchange and kind of got you know into a slugfest later on. And like I said, Hager, I, I don't think anybody thought he was going to win. But I mean, he was a formidable, formidable opponent for Moxley. Uh, they had an entertaining fight. It wasn't you know best technically, obviously, but I thought it was fine. Yeah, Moxley needed this kind of win on TV. It's not bad to have something like this. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I understand where Mike is coming from, though, where he didn't really like it. I, I do agree more with you than I do with him because I enjoyed and, this match. Yeah, and Hager can be boring because he's, he's just kind of got that, you know, even when he he's in WWE, have, he he's not flashy. Charisma. He has no yeah. charisma to me. He's just a guy that's there and he's big. 
and that's him. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I could see it. He's, he's, he's not the greatest, for sure, but uh, I thought he was okay. There was a spot where Moxley did a figure four uh, onto, like, one of the outside railings, like, in, where the crowd would be. Right. And I just thought that was, it was just a cool little moment. There were lots of little moments that were fine. Uh, Moxley took a back body drop on the floor. Uh, my back still hurts from watching this a week ago. Um. I, I did enjoy it. I understand why Mike didn't like it, though, because it's, it was a match that wasn't for everybody, right? It was a st- it was Jake Hager's best AEW match, maybe best match ever, and it was John Moxley's worst AEW match. So I think it was just fine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And also I want to say, so I guess we're, we're getting towards the end of AEW, and, and now I may reiterate this in the WWE, the Raw shows, it's just kind of, this whole episode, like, I know it had this big built-to match, but the whole episode kind of felt like filler to me. Uh, and, and the empty arena shows are, are kind of starting to feel like filler. And I, I get that, you know, they were supposed to have blood and guts, and they were supposed to do all this build-up for their next pay-per-view. And this kind of, this whole situation threw a wrench in everybody's plans. So they're working with what they got. I get that. But it's just, it's, it's wearing on me. I, I understand we are in a situation where we can't do everything we want to do and obviously they can't tell all the stories they want to tell they're limited to who they have how they can record it and so on but uh yeah it's it's, it's wearing down on me i'm getting a little a little tired of the md arenas i guess the new shine has worn off AEW is doing a better job of it than wwe is but yeah it's just it, they're all kind of starting to feel like filler to me do you guys kind of feel you've, you've had the same feeling yes Okay, so I'm not alone in that decision, at least. Yeah, but I will tell you that I haven't been so excited for a pay-per-view in a long time than this ridiculous Money in the Bank where they're going to have to, like, climb up multiple floors to finally get to the Money in the Bank on the roof. I'm so yeah, excited that, for that. That actually does interest me. Just like WrestleMania, the, the the way to do things right now is outside the box. You can't have normal matches. Right. You can't have business as usual. you got to do some crazy stuff. And that is one thing WWE is good at. They're good at doing crazy stuff. Uh, or shoot, I would be fine if they broke out the monster trucks on the roof again. Do you remember that? I'm gonna pass bring on that. Out, but yes, I do bring out that. some monster trucks on Money in the Bank. The winner, the first one to sumo wrestler off, just like on the old Mario Party game, to knock the other monster truck off the building wins. Let's get let's get it rolling, WWE. Well, I guess the big show did. On... Big show fell off. Yeah, he died. Yeah, I don't know if you know that. Um, yeah, yeah, he's got a twin but brother now. He show truck, on Netflix. So. <laughs> it's true. She's got a truck. But yeah, I think we should get into rating this show. Uh, if I had to rate this show, I think it had two good matches and a bunch of squash matches and then one bad match. So really, I think I'm going to give it like a C plus. And just, just, you know, Chris Jericho's great. Uh, the two matches that I liked, I really liked. But the rest of it was just filler and kind of boring. So that's my that's my opinion. Take it as you will. Okay. Let's move on to Friday Night SmackDown, Mr. Kyle Pauly. Now, I will, I will tell you, I did not watch SmackDown, so the amount of feedback I can give you here is limited. Um, and I'll tell you why I didn't watch SmackDown, because Mr. Man fired a bunch of people, and I was already mad at SmackDown for making Braun Strowman defeat Goldberg, so I just said, eh, I'm not going to watch it. And that's what happened. That might change next Friday. I don't know. We'll see. So the show opened with the guy who just beat Goldberg. Uh, 
actually yeah, was a that's moment why, of bliss. That's why I didn't watch. Sorry, hard <laughs> yeah. pass. Yeah, so uh, it actually started with a moment of bliss, uh, which was uh, their first guest was Braun Strowman. Uh, well, their only guest, I guess, the only invited guest. So Alexa and Nikki come out, make their way to the ring, talk about how they beat the Kabuki Warriors, and they introduce their guest, the new Universal Champion, Braun Strowman, who Alexa said, you know, was her good friend. So uh, Braun comes out, sits down with them. They congratulate each other for, you know, their respective title wins. Uh, and, you know, they kind of talked about Alexa and uh, Braun, you know, being buddies or whatever. Uh, Bliss turned her attention to Bray Wyatt, said he's psychotic, recapped Bray Wyatt confronting him from last week. Uh, Strowman pointed out that nobody knows Wyatt as much as he does. Admits that he was part of the Wyatt family, but he wants to forget that part of his past. He noted that if Bray wants to come after him, he's just going to get these hands. And then suddenly, Strowman noticed a gift in the corner, and he was like, Oh, Alexa, I didn't know you got me a gift. And he like walked over to the corner behind their chairs, and she's like, I, I didn't get you a gift. And Strowman just ignored her and said, oh, no, you totally got me one. I'm just going to open it. <laughs> Did he really do that? <laughs> she said, I didn't get you a gift. And he was like, oh, no, I know. You know, <laughs> team little big. Like, it, it was it, it, horrific. Like, he basically just, like, said, no, I, of course you did. Uh, and so Bliss kind of asked Nikki if she had gotten one, but then they just kind of shut up and let, they, let him do his gimmick. Open the mysterious gift, and he's, like, staring at it. And he pulls it out, and it's the old sheep mask that he used to wear. And then they did these stupid cuts. And I hate when WWE does stuff like this. Like, I get they have dumb storylines sometimes, but, uh, I mean, they think that we just don't remember things. But it's pretty obvious, if you know anything about Braun Strowman, that he used to be in the Wyatt family. He was a big dude that came in with a black sheep mask. Like, you should know this. It wasn't that long ago. But they had to sit here and do these flashbacks while he's looking at this thing, showing where it came from. It's like, oh, remember this scene where he was wearing the mask, like just stupid. So he's staring at it, kind of looks scared a little bit. They do the corny Bray Wyatt laughing, you know, on repeat basically, while Strowman just kind of stared at the mask. And Blizz, uh, Alexa and Nikki Cross, they just backed off like they were scared. Um, yeah, and then like an old picture of Strowman just like appeared and just sat on the screen forever. So uh, yeah, that was the first segment. So That sounds miserable. Yeah, it was not very good. So, uh, you know, actually, you sold me. I think I'm going to go back and watch SmackDown. <laughs> well, if you like that, then uh, you're going to love this next match. We have Tamina versus Sasha Banks. Oh my gosh, <laughs> why? Why is Tamina supposed to be acting like a face now? I mean, she's not. She's still herself, but I don't know. I don't think they it's know what she's to do fighting. With her. Bailey and Sasha. I don't. I, it, it's just like the Lacey Evans thing, man. They just randomly turn you for no explainable reason. Yeah, we'll get to that. So, uh, Bailey joined Michael and Corey on the commentary again. Uh, well, the one good thing about this match, I guess my favorite part, which is, I mean, and probably the only good thing, uh, Banks comes down, uh, Tamina's in the, in the, gets in the ring. Banks tries to offer a peace offering by giving her a Sasha Banks t-shirt, which looks like it like belongs on a baby. It's too small for Sasha. Like, it's tiny. No. And she hands it to Tamina. Tamina just stares at it. She was like, what is this? And uh, Sasha, she's like, what size is Something like that? And Sasha was like, it's a small. And Tamina goes, I wear an extra large. Okay. And then they fight. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you're going to buy Tamina a t-shirt, she wears an extra large. Do not insult her by handing her a small t-shirt. So, anyway. Okay. Uh, this was sloppy. It was not a good match. Uh, obviously, Tamina just like kind of dominated 
the first part of this. Uh, yeah, it was it was just very sloppy. And Tamina kind of like got blown up in this match. Like she basically Banks ended up getting the you know getting on her later because uh, they went to the outside and Bailey got involved, played distraction, uh, and Banks was able to get the uh, advantage here, but. Obviously, obviously by shoving her in the ring post like everybody does and using the still step so a DQ wasn't called again but they got in the ring and like Tamina was just like rolling all around the place while Sasha was you know domi- dominating her and all of a sudden Lacey Evans runs out uh, Bailey you know kind of a tease like kind of getting in the ring getting involved again so Lacey attacks her and uh, this basically led to Sasha being distracted Tamina was able to recover and hit a super kick on the outside. She threw Banks in the ring. Banks got up and she just hit her with a super kick again. And she pinned her. So Tamina is getting a title shot against Bayley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, and I don't I don't remember if this was on SmackDown or if this was on the YouTube like uh, fallout that they have later on. They, they interviewed Lacey. I think it was actually on the show. They interviewed Lacey backstage uh, afterwards, it was uh, Kayla, and she asked like why she attacks Sasha or something like that. And basically, Evan said she's looking out to get revenge for what Sasha did to her daughter, and she had like written on her hand Sasha, and with like a thing crossing her name out. And I was like, okay, your main feud was with Bailey, and you lost. So now you're like, well, I clearly can't beat Bailey, so I'm just gonna pick on Sasha. That's what I got from this. Okay. <laughs> so, Lacey sucks. She can't beat Bailey, so now she has to go after Sasha. So I don't know. It's stupid. Both the match wasn't good, and yeah, Lacey going after Sasha as well is kind of dumb. So I'm assuming we're gonna have a tag match next week. Uh, but obviously, Tamina and Bailey is gonna be at Money in the Bank. Uh, then we had Sheamus beating up a jobber. Nothing to this really. He just beat the snot out of this guy. I mean, like just clubbering this dude with blows and elbows and then hit him with a bro kick, killed him. Uh, he's like, his music playing, he's rolling out the side of the ring and Michael Cole starts talking about Jeff Hardy. <laughs> and I was kind of glad because like, he's obviously sitting right in front of Seamus. There's nobody in the arena. So you can hear what he's saying. <laughs> Seamus stops and he's like, okay, dude. Basically goes over to Cor- or to Michael Cole and says, dude, last week I killed this dude and you start talking about Jeff Hardy. Then I come out and kill this dude even worse and my music's not even done, and you're still talking about Jeff Hardy. So he basically got in his face and uh, got in Cole's face and basically, you know, threatened him and, uh, you know, warned, gave a warning to Michael Cole. I kind of hope he kills Cole, but... Uh, <laughs> anyway. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll hide and write Cole. Maybe. Yeah, next week if he starts talking about Jeff Hardy again, he's going to give him a poem. Uh, but we got another uh, Jeff Hardy package. Obviously, they're talking about his uh, struggles and all that in this um, this segment, they go over him being arrested, him talking about his substance abuse and all that stuff, uh, talking about his run-ins with the law, his jail time, all this stuff. So this is basically this was titled "The Fall," um, Jeff Hardy Chapter Two, "The Fall," and next week we're gonna get Chapter Three, which is him in his redemption, I guess. So uh, we'll see, uh, but fine. Uh, I want to see where this is going. Obviously, they're gonna lead this to Jeff Hardy coming back and getting a big push. So uh, then in the back, we had a horrible segment with Dana Brooke and Carmella. 
because Dana Brooke has a qualifying match for the Money in the Bank. And Carmella walks up. I thought they were supposed to have the tag match this week, and I'm pretty sure they were going to. But they're moving it to next week because Carmella just walks up and says, Dana, are you telling me you're preparing for this Money in the Bank qualifying match when you should be focused on the women's tag team title match we have next week? And Dana's like, hey, why can't I go out here and win this opportunity for the contract that I can cash in anytime? And then next week, prepare for the tag team title match opportunity or whatever. It was just very scripted and very horrible WWE speak. And Carmella was just a jerk the whole time. So I'm guessing she's going to heel turn on Dana. But it's like, yeah, be happy for your tag team partner or, you know, something. She's getting a qualifying match and she's going to help you win the tag belts. Like, who cares? So anyway. So I'm assuming Dana was like, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. Or maybe this is my job. I know how to prepare. Or like Carmella is like, I'm guessing Carmella wasn't good enough for the uh, Money in the Bank qualifying match because Dana's like, hey, why can't I do both? Like, be happy for me, jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. So, I don't know. Uh, also, Michael Cole, he he has a rundown of how the Money in the Bank ladder matches is, is going to be climbing the corporate ladder at the WWE headquarters this year. So, they kind of go over that. And then we have the qualifying match between Dana and Naomi. Uh, obviously they're done with Naomi. I'm surprised they didn't release her when they released all these other people because her, her and Dana, I mean, they had a decent match, honestly, which I was kind of surprised better than I thought it was going to be. Um, Brooke basically like did her little cartwheel splash toward the end of the match. Naomi got her knees up, uh, missed the rear view initially and got rolled up, but then she kicked out of it and then immediately hit her near a rear view, but only for near fall. She tried to split like moonsault and missed and Dana was able to get like a sunset flip and cradle her for the pin. It was like a short match. wasn't too long. It was decent. There wasn't like any big botches between these two. They put on a good match. It was just weird that Dana Brooke beat Naomi. So, yes, Naomi had her big Royal Rumble return. She comes back, like loses to Carmella, now loses to Dana. She's she was so nobody. over. She was so over at the Royal Rumble. Yep. I don't get it. What What is their... Is she like a terrible person backstage? Is the only explanation uh, here? Who who knows? Well, she's married to an Uso. I mean, and they're obviously very popular. That family's very popular. I, I thought you were going somewhere else with that. That is not. No, I'm not touching that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm just assuming that she rubs my the wrong way. I don't know. It's so dumb. She's so good. Or, she's so yeah. good. So Dana Brooke, she qualified. So Carmella, you know. We'll see what happens next week with their tag she can, title match, I guess. She can thank Batista for that one. Sure. <laughs> so uh, then we have a segment, which is also better than I expected. It was uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville clearing the air. It was a little strange to me that they were doing this in the ring and not like a sit-down interview or something, but whatever. It's, you know, COVID-19, just stuff is weird. But they were both in the ring. Sonya came out, begged Mandy to come to the ring. Uh, she basically was fighting back tears, trying to, you know, saying she wants to tell Mandy something, uh, basically saying Mandy wouldn't take her calls all week. Uh, Mandy finally came to the ring, uh, said she didn't really have anything to say to Sonya after, you know, what she did to her and Otis. Uh, but Sonya said, Hey, we've been together since tough enough. She, you know, was like saying, you know, you didn't even listen to me after this all happened. You know, I've been your best friend for, you know, years. Like, I don't understand it. And, uh, she was like talking to her and trying to say, I want to tell you something. And she kept calling her man as like a nickname. And I was like, 
It was just strange. <laughs> Hearing somebody called Man as a nickname. She's like, Man, I, you know, it was weird. Anyway, so she said, I need to tell you something. She all of a sudden stopped her fake crying fit or whatever and said, you are the most selfish person I've ever met or something like that. And DeVille basically went on to say that uh, she knew Rose would kick it to the curb once she got with Otis. This was all about their tag team. She tried to hook up with Dolph so they, that he could help fire and desire because he, you know, he, he's won a championship. He has experience. Uh, she knew he'd be able to help us win. So it was basically like a, a deal that she worked with him. She'd help him get with Mandy if he helped their tag team, which makes sense. I mean, it's double-crossing Otis, but, you know, I get it. Uh, DeVille said she's happy the cards are on the table because she, she wants to see Mandy hurt. She says she wasted her time being second best to eye candy, that Rose had no talent. She's the real fighter. She's the real leader of the team, not some centerfold model uh, B-word. Uh, Mandy said, she, you know, she heard her call her the B-name, and uh, so Mandy's like, well, I'm happy. I slapped you at WrestleMania. They started acting like they were about to fight when Dolph Ziggler finally came out. And he didn't come out and, like, take sides with Sonya, which he was all buddy-buddy with her last week. But rather, he went straight to Mandy and started apologizing for his actions. He told Mandy to look at him, said, you know, I, I thought we had a good time. Um, to just, like, look at me in the eyes and say that you didn't feel anything after we had our date. Uh, like, he came off as, like, a guy. He basically said... I like you. I would do anything to win you back. Just give me a chance. Like, he was such a sympathetic person here. Like, he didn't come off evil at all. <laughs> it's just like, why? But Unless it's a face turn, which I really doubt. Yeah, so he's trying to, like, pour his heart out to Mandy. She pushes his hand away. And then DeVille comes out of nowhere and just punches Mandy in the face. Ziggler doesn't even act like it was a distraction or anything. He's, like, not happy with Sonya. He's like, why did you do that? And then Otis runs out and starts attacking Ziggler. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Like, I mean, obviously he doesn't <laughs> need to come out and attack Sonya, yeah. but like, why are you coming out to beat up Ziggler? Just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Not only did he come out to beat up Ziggler, he, he slides in the ring and Ziggler, he like pushes him away like to the ropes. And as he's hitting the ropes, Otis starts humping there and he's like, oh yeah. Like, <laughs> he like hits him, clotheslines him, hits him with the caterpillar. Mandy Rose got her hands on DeVille, but she she tried to get her hands on her, but she escaped out of the ring. Uh, it was weird. So Otis and Mandy stood tall. Dolph actually came back in to try to hit Otis again, and that's when he hit the caterpillar on him. So I don't know. Like I, Sonya actually cut a really good promo. Uh, I would say if anything, go watch that because like she did a really good job. I think like even with the fake tears, which is usually pretty bad, and it wasn't the best, but I mean. Man, like, she still cut a really good promo. So I thought she did a great job. Uh, so I'm interested to see where they go with her and Mandy. But the Dolphin you... Otis thing, like, it didn't make it, like, Ziggler, I'm kind of sympathetic towards him now. And I'm like, Otis, dude, just, like, quit beating this guy up. Yeah, yeah I agree with you that that doesn't make sense. But what do you think the odds are we get a mixed tag match at Money in the Bank? I mean, I'm sure that's what they're going for. But 100%. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I thought the whole idea was that, Mandy was going to try and get with, or uh, sorry, Sonya was going to try to get with Mandy at some point, And like, it looks like they've dropped that altogether. Uh, and, That's probably yeah, for the I, best. I, I don't know which direction, what direction they're going in, but as of right now, the story is DeVille. I don't, I don't think they know what direction they're going in, Kyle. I'm sure they're not. And obviously the, the original writer, as Matt said on the 
uh, one of the previous episodes, they uh, she was one of the ones that was released from this thing. So yep. they obviously have a new writer doing this. So who knows where they're going? But uh, Mandy cut, or uh, well, Mandy did pretty good too. But Sonya cutting this promo was actually a good part of this. So uh, yeah, we also had a another really good match. Uh, to nobody's surprise, a Money in the Bank qualifying match, Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro. Uh, this match was fantastic. I mean, as, as good as you're going to get for a, uh, you know, no fans in this, you know, PC style match. Like, I mean, as good as you're going to get. Like, it, it was fantastic. It, basically, Bryan was working over Cesaro's arm. I mean, to the point where the guy was hitting his uh, European uppercuts. And he was selling his arm. Like, he hit a couple with his her arm. He stopped and sold his arm and switched arms and started hitting it. Like, That's awesome. Like, just every detail about this was great. Uh, basically, Brian was, like, working over his arm for the uh, LaBelle lock uh, or the Yes lock um, that he was trying to do. Um, uh, basically, Brian attempted to fly across the body off the top. But Cesar caught him, hit, like, his awesome tilt or backbreaker, put him in a sharpshooter, but Brian got to the ropes. Cesaro hit him with a running uppercut uh, on the floor. Uh, Brian rolled through uh, rolled through a pin attempt, a backslide, went for an arm bar, like just countered it into a cool arm bar, but Cesaro broke free. Like he was still, like I said, working on his arm. Uh, Brian uh, hit him with some yes kicks. Cesaro was able to recover, hit him with a knee for a near fall, got him in a cross, uh, got him in a cross face. Brian countered it into the label lock, but Cesaro broke free. And that's when he started hitting the uppercuts in the corner and, you know, switched arms. Uh, Brian tried running up the corner, but Cesaro caught him, like the run-up where he does the backflip. Cesaro caught him off that. Um, he And he, like, went to go slam him, but Brian held him on through that and basically applied the label lock. Nakamura tried to come in and interfere. I don't know why. Because, <laughs> like, I was like, come in here, Brian, and he's going to get disqualified, and it's a qualifying match. So, yeah, I mean, he would have qualified anyway, but... Right. Uh, Gulak grabbed his leg as he tried to go in. Nakamura uh, pulled him out and stopped it. So Cesaro had no choice but to tap out because his shoulder was hurt. So Brian won this. Uh, if you're going to go back and watch any match on the show, go watch this match because it's really good. And like I said, about as good as you're going to get on these no fan matches, empty arena uh, matches. It was just great. And no I, surprise, I obviously. I was actually going to say I didn't watch anything on this show, but I'm going to go back and watch this match when I get a chance. Yeah, I had I'm heard sure it, was it was good. Very good. I didn't know it was that good, but yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, Dana Bryan's star is good. Cesaro I mean, it's not so like five star good because it's still into your TV show. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, and it's not like they had all the time in the world, but it went through a commercial break, and it was it was just a good match. Like just you know, it's Dana Bryan Cesaro. Like they did a pretty good match, similar to uh, uh, it was Nakamura Bryan a couple weeks ago. Like, just a good match. So right. Probably a little bit better than that. But, um, yeah. Uh, then we got a not-so-good segment, I guess. Uh, just dumb, I guess. Basically, Elias was in the back. He was making his way to the ring for a special performance of God knows what. When Corbin attacked him from behind, it basically just spent way too long beating him down. Just beat the crap out of Corbin. I mean, uh, Elias. So, yeah, it was just basically another beatdown. So this is going to continue, and that's all you need to know. So, whatever. And then that led us to the main event, which is the triple threat match between Big E, The Miz, and Jey Uso for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. And I thought, of course, 
Miz has got to find a way to win this match, or at least get a DQ, and then we'll have some kind of finalization match heading into Money in the Bank. Because why not? I mean, have the actual WrestleMania match that you wanted to have at Money in the Bank. But no, that's not what happened. Uh, Big E had the advantage early. He cleared the announce table. Uh, was going to use it later until Uso, um, Jay Uso rocked him with a super kick. Uh, Jay and Miz worked over Big E and gave him a su- double suplex to the table and took him out. This took us a commercial break. Uh, back from the break, it was basically Uso and Miz going at each other. Uh, Uso hit him with a Samoan drop, then a suicide dive onto Big E and the Miz. Uh, Miz was, was able to recover and hit the Skull Crusher finale on Big E. Uh, then Uso rocked Miz and Big E with super kicks. Uso rolled up Miz for a near fall. Uh, then Miz fought back, hit another Skull Crusher finale for a near fall. Uh, but Jay basically just kicked out of it, and Miz, like, he had his leg a certain way, like he's holding it. And as soon as Jay kicked out, Miz put him in the figure four. So he had him in the figure four. Uh, Jay, you know, was trying to break it, couldn't break it. Uh, when all of a sudden, Big E just slid in, picked up Miz out of the figure four, threw him up on his shoulder, hit him with a big ending, and won the WWE Tag team titles. Like in a singles it, match. It just came out of nowhere. Like there was like no big like they it was just picked him up out of the figure four. Jay just kind of rolled to the apron and Biggie hit him with his move and beat him. And so now the New Day are eight time tag team champions. Uh they showed Kofi and Xavier Woods reaction from home. <laughs> so yeah, I don't understand this. I just don't like, I mean, I'm, I've said all along that like, I want to see Morrison kind of go on his own. Cause I, I like him out of the two, I've had him and the Miz, but I mean, if you're going to take the belts off of him, this is not the way to do it. Like just wait until the big pay-per-view and then take it off of him. Wait till you're having a tag team match, take it off of him, but whatever. So that's what they did. So Biggie wins it here. New day, eight time tag team champs. It happened. Yeah, I I love Big E. I love the New Day. Uh, Big E is like got the most charisma of any anybody on SmackDown, in my opinion. Even Anyone more than in the world, him. maybe. He's he's ridiculous. Um, and after he won this, first of all, don't lick the belt, man. We're in an epidemic. Yeah, it's gross. Come on. Uh, he was like making out with the belts. That's a little that's a little weird. Uh, you know, maybe don't don't lick objects right now. Just just a just, that's maybe any time really. Maybe don't lick objects ever. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's very, I agree with you. It's incredibly weird that they won this in a singles match. I had heard at one point that Miz was sick, but this was live, right? So that's not a factor. They wouldn't take it off of him because he was sick. I don't really understand why, but I'm not completely against it. Maybe, uh, I'm, I'm hoping, what I'm hoping for is that the hacker is going to come back into play and split up Miz and Morrison and allow Morrison to do Morrison things as he should be doing and not be held down by the Miz. But oh, that's the I only totally thing I can forgot. hope would come from this. Yeah, I totally forgot, by the way. The hacker did make another appearance on the show. Uh, did he? Okay. Yes, he did. And he promised that more lies are going to be revealed. And he actually showed several clips of different storylines that you know might be lies. Uh, they were, there was one that showed... This actually before the ending of the, the main event, so... Miz and Morrison were shown on the screen. Uh, Biggie and Kofi were shown on the screen. Uh, Alexa and Nikki were shown on the screen. So, don't know. Yep, 
I would be more okay. More lies if are going to come to the surface. Apparently, I would be okay with a miss versus Morrison at Money in the Bank. That'd be okay with me. Yeah. So I mean, not a bad SmackDown. It's better than it has been because I mean, it, it was fine. And like I said, the, the Cesaro, Daniel Bryan match was worth watching. The Sonya uh, Mandy promo was pretty good. Um, I mean, it was fine. The main, I mean, the main event wasn't bad. It was just weird that they ended like that. So, I mean, if I had to grade the show, I'd probably give it a B minus. Uh, like I said, it's better than what they've been doing for SmackDown, but it, it can be better. So, yeah, it was a fine show. Okay, Monday Night Raw. Yeah? Sure. All right, let's do it. Go ahead. So, Drew McIntyre opens the show, and here's what happens. Because the promo... He basically says that um, he could make Seth Rollins jump through hoops because why does Seth Rollins deserve the title? He said he would give anyone a shot at the title that deserved it. But does he really deserve it? Because he lost at WrestleMania to Kevin Owens. But then he said the reality is that he's the only man that can say he beat Brock Lesnar not once but twice. And that he wants to fight him anyway. So and he goes a little cl- real close to the camera and says, So Seth, I'm going to talk to you directly. And as he starts to talk, he gets interrupted by Zelina Vega and Austin Theory and Angel Garza. Drew McIntyre is wrestling Angel Garza in the main event tonight. And so he says, or Zelina says, you know what, we're, we're real sick of your speeches. And then she cuts a short promo and then Andrade attacks McIntyre. But it doesn't matter, because McIntyre gets the upper hand. Claymore's his face off, and Zelina's like, go, go get him. And then Theory's like, no, no, I don't know, I don't know about that. I don't know about Zelina. And she's like, Angel, go. Go now. You're wrestling later tonight. Go take care of him. And he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, Zelina. It's a hard pass. It's a hard pass for me. And she goes, two on one, guys. Go get him. And they're like, no, 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 no. And it was great. Yeah, smart move. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, what a novel concept to have a big baby face who is awesome and the heels are scared of him. Yeah. It's great. I love it. it. I loved it too. thought it was really good. Yeah, Drew McIntyre, and I said this after his Royal Rumble victory. I might have even said it before. He is the next big thing. He's your next Roman Reigns, your next John Cena, whatever you want to say. He will be the face of the company at WrestleMania next year. 1,000%. He is Roman Reigns, who the fans actually like. Yeah. And can cut a promo. I mean, Roman's I mean, Roman's much better on the mic than he used to be. But, yeah, I mean, this guy's just fantastic. He has so uh, much charisma. Crazy. He oozes charisma. Yeah, he's definitely... He's I mean, the opposite said last of week, Jake Hager. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said it last week. He's the best thing on Raw right now, and it continued on the show. Like, I loved every minute he was on TV. Yeah, yeah he's my current favorite wrestler in WWE, I would, I would have to say. He's carrying the shows that he's on. Yeah, he's doing really great. And and to be fair, Rey Mysterio is on the shows. My favorite wrestler of all time. Yeah. Right now, Drew McIntyre is beating him. He's he's got the got the reins. Yeah, Mysterio was on this show and had a really great match too. So we have three Money in the Bank qualifying matches tonight, and the first one is Austin Theory versus Aleister Black. And as Aleister Black came out, I was talking to my wife, and she said. I I really wanted to see, you know, what would happen if the two... I was wondering if the two of them would ever, you know, be on TV at the same time. I said, yeah, I'd really like for, you know, Zelina Vega to, like, 
maybe low-key talk about it, but not really talk about it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, Byron, I actually think Alistair Black's very handsome. And Byron would be like, what are you talking about? You think that guy's handsome? Yeah, he's got like a, I don't know, a little handsome goth to him. And I think it'll be funny for the little inside baseball for, for guys like us that know that they're married. They didn't talk about it, but that was fine. It wasn't bad. Austin Theory vs. Alistair Black, however, was really good. And I know some people have been complaining that Austin, that Alistair Black, and it, you might have said this, Kyle, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. I know some people have been saying that Alistair Black shouldn't be having these long matches with jobbers because he's above them. Is, did you say that? Yeah, I just said I hate that he has these matches and then goes against like notable talent and then struggles or like barely wins. Yeah. Like, but if he's going to do this, I'd rather him just like do this to everybody. But boy, haven't they just been good? I mean, he's I didn't wrestled... really mind it against theory because he's, uh, I mean, it wasn't a jobber and he's not like, he's, he's part of the faction with, I mean, he's new, but he's, he's part of a faction with uh, uh, Andrade and Angel Garza. So, I mean, it was like, he's okay. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about this was, uh, Austin Theory was pretty sloppy in the beginning, so like he was not really able to keep up with Alistair's, you know, and was yeah he botched a couple things early on, but toward the end was fine and took a really good black mass. So yeah, he literally got his head kicked off. It was rough, but th- this match, the match with Apollo Cruz, uh, what was the other match he had? Uh, Theory? No, 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 Alistair Black. Um, when? I can't remember. It was last week on Raw. Anyway, he he's wrestled a couple guys that he should be above, right? Yeah. But they've they've all been long matches, and they've all just been good. I mean, his matches with Buddy Murphy were so so good. So I'm fine, especially right now when there's no crowd and they need to fill time. Why not give us 15 minutes of Alistair Black? I'm down. Yeah, and spoiler alert: there's several quote unquote squash matches on the show. Yeah, I think they're they're kind of learning that. I mean, they had five. I mean, you could say they had six uh, squash matches last week, and they were all, like, short and not very good. Whereas this this week, they kind of they had squash matches, but they were lengthy and, like, a little bit back and forth, so they weren't completely boring. Right. So, yeah, this one was kind of in that category where it wasn't really a squash match, but, it you know, Alistair, I don't think anybody thought Theory was going to win, but it was a good match. Yeah. And, you know... Black came out on top. He kicked him in the back of the head. I mean, poor Austin Theory. He is head probably still a little scrambled. Yeah. Looked yeah. great. Yeah. It looked <laughs> really good. It did. Yeah. Uh, Shannon Baszler versus Indy Hartwell is next. Now, this match did not last long. This is not one of the squash matches that did. Uh, she kicked her arm down just like Sarah. Lo- she did to Sarah Logan. By the way, Kyle... I want to commend you for no calling it and saying that it wasn't an injury. If I would have been on last week's episode, I'd have been like, you're crazy. Sarah Logan sold the heck out of that. Her nose was red. She was legit crying. No, she's just a great actress. And then they let her go like two, day, two three days later. Uh, which I also called, by the way. Yeah. Because uh, I said, I don't see how you can even bring her back after this. This is probably her last appearance, at least for a long time. Yeah. And I was did. right. <laughs> yep. And But guess what? They actually were going to bring her back tonight. Did you hear about that? Yeah, they were going to bring her back yeah, on Monday. Yeah, she probably called them and said, screw you. You no, fired she, me. She was oh. there. Oh, well. Yeah, she was there. They gone. just they decided, well, she's still under contract for 90 days. So that was the thing. Um, <sighs> yeah, whatever. But, yeah, I, I would have said screw you. Yeah, they opted well. not to use her. 
So you don't want to yeah, say screw you, though. Her husband still works there. He had a wonderful segment later that we're going to oh, talk more about. My God. So Shayna Baszler beat Indy Hartwell after the match. She took her outside. She leaned her up against the still steps. She grabbed a ladder, put her arm in the ladder, kicked the ladder on the still steps. Now listen, I understand wrestling is scripted. All right, I get it. There is no way this was faked. Now, yes. I'm sure there's some way she, I mean, she kicked over the left of the ladder. Indy Hartwell's arm was on the right side of the ladder. But that ladder bent back and her arm was inside it. That hurt. I'm not saying that she legit broke her arm. That freaking hurt. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander wrestled Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink next. Uh, before you move on, I did want to say. Okay, go ahead. I hated how the referee, like last week, Sarah Logan's arm got stomped and, you know, she did her crying, screaming, all that stuff. And then the referee checked on her and then called for the bell. Uh, this week, Shana did the stomp and the ref didn't even wait two seconds right. before he rang the bell. He called it immediately. Like, I was like, so you're not allowed to stomp on somebody's arm in a match? I mean, Orton stomps on body parts Yeah, in a match. Like, I don't know. The Seth Rollins stomps on people's job. heads. Yeah, and you don't call for the bell. Like, let her like verbally submit or start crying, shedding tears, and then call the bell. Like, yeah, the ref immediately stopping it because her arm stomp is weird, but whatever. So, yeah, it was dumb. We're going to move forward, though. Ricochet and Cedric Alexander had a very good match with Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink. They did. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, Ricochet has six different versions of the recoil. I was almost waiting for them to lose, honestly. Yeah, yeah, almost. <laughs> so Ricochet has a different move every week, and they call it the recoil. But this week it was the original, where he did a code breaker and did a lumbar check from Cedric Alexander, and uh, they they pinned Brendan Vink. This match was it was fun. It made Ricochet and Cedric Alexander look strong, because um, Shane Thorne is gigantic. I like this match. I liked it a lot, actually. Yeah, they got to kind of show what they could do as a tag team. Uh, had a lot of unique moves that were awesome. A lot of cool double team moves. What you would expect from a Cedric Alexander Ricochet tag team. Uh, so yeah, if they if they stay as a tag team and Vince doesn't bury them uh, like he's you know kind of been doing, they could be great. So we move forward, and Charlie Cruz is backstage with Oscar and Kyrie Sane. Uh, first of all, they're both amazing. Asuka is the greatest thing ever of all time. Kairi Sane is very, very entertaining. They're singing their music as they're walking in. And uh, Kairi Sane is so excited to have a rematch with Nia Jax. I was not. As soon as I saw that, I literally exclaimed out loud, asked my wife. I literally said out loud, why? This is happening. We're having a rematch. Kairi Sane versus yep. Nia Jax. Who knows? Kyrie's crazy. Uh, Nia killed Kyrie. She power bombed her on, or basically she just like tossed her in the corner, and Kyrie hit her head on the middle turnbuckle. It did not look good. Yeah. So I am just completely tired of Nia Jax. Like I saw that happen. She she basically was doing like the tree like the tree of woe thing or whatever I guess, and then like. Just th- she was supposed to throw her into the corner, but she was like a little short, so she just tossed her anyway. Yeah, Kyrie, who famously had a concussion in a match with Charlotte and uh, uh, Becky Lynch, and like went through the rest of the match with a concussion, and then they had to sit her for like a long time before they even brought her back. Just tossed her in the corner, let her smash her head like she whiplashed. 
from this thing. And like, I nearly turned it off right there. Cause I was like, this woman is also, I mean, I don't care if it's a work or not. She's been going and saying she's mad at Ronda Rousey cause she legit injured, uh, Alexa bliss. And she's been like, you know, talking all this crap to Ronda, uh, on Twitter. And she's trying to like, earn herself a big money match. I was just like, screw you. Like she is so horrible. She's, Injured many people in the ring. I mean, famously punched Becky Lynch in the nose and ruined a main event match that she was supposed to have. I mean, it ended up being, you know, working out the best for Becky because she was awesome about it. But, I mean, that could have not happened. Could have gone the other way. Like, Becky, you know, sat, had to sit out and lost her push. And, you know, the man Becky Lynch would have never happened. But she got lucky, I guess. But other than that, like, she's injured several people because she doesn't know how to work. Like, she... Like, drop Charlotte on her head at one time on this thing. Like, I'm just tired of Nia Jax being so careless with people. Like, I'm just done with her. Like, she sucks. And she, like, talks about Ronda hurting other people in the ring. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm just, I'm so over Nia Jax. She's, to me, she's like a female viscera. Like, she kills people in the ring, and she's no good. So, I don't care about her at all. So, she's your future endeavor of the week after that rant? Yes, for sure. That's why I'm ranting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Nia Jax is not good. I do not like her. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move Best on. Best of luck in your future endeavors, Nia, because yeah. you I, suck. I almost, yeah, like, I wanted to turn it off, too. I'm like, what are they doing? First of all, they shouldn't push Nia over Kyrie. But secondly, she's she looks like she's hurting her. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And my wife exclaimed, you better watch out, Nia, because Kyrie doesn't take any junk because of that time she punched or backhanded Lacey Evans after she did a botch on her. So, you know, yeah, which is probably it's fair and true. So, and then she, you know, hit her with the Simone drop at the end of the match and pinned her in the middle of the ring. Yeah, and then had the uh, audacity to go. And I know she's like trying to be heel. Pie face. You did. Yeah, you, yeah. You dropped the woman on her head in the match. You don't know what her state is, and she's like smacking her in the face to taunt her as she's leaving. And I was just like, just get off my TV. I'm tired of her. Yeah, I did not care for it at all. So. Seth Rollins is backstage, and first of he's all, he's lucky Nia was on this show. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> last week, Seth Rollins promos were might have been the the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, luckily, I was not on that show, or I might have ranted for a solid twenty minutes. This one was less than fine. What is less than fine? Okay, it's okay. Less than fine. He got a promo. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> he accepted Drew McIntyre's challenge. Uh, for money in the bank, but bluntly, it just—it it was nothing to it. He was sitting in this like weird chair, and my wife said, "I hope this is not your house, Seth." And I said, "Maybe that's uh, Becky picking out that furniture." And she exclaimed, "Oh, I forgot they were a thing," which is fair, I guess. But maybe it's one of Becky's steampunk things. Yeah, but yeah, it was—it was just weird. I don't know, but then it doesn't matter because boy, here comes the best part of the show, and I speak in jest. Because I lost my mind at this. I absolutely lost it. The Viking Raiders are having carpool karaoke. (laughs) Well, I I don't remember exactly. I think Tom Phillips was like, here's the Viking Raiders, the carpool karaoke. And I said, what? What? And so you see Eric and Ivar with their helmets on. They also need to be thanking Nia Jax for being on the show. Yes. They were a close second for future endeavor but no fault of their own yeah uh, honestly i have a theory okay. i think vince was like oh god i got this great idea for this carpool karaoke thing 
Where's the revival? <laughs> uh, sir, we just gave them the release. What? Uh, well, who's another big tag team we can get? What What about those Viking guys? The Viking experience. You mean the Viking no, Raiders? No, he, he probably was like, where's the OC? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Where's the OC at? They just had a WrestleMania main event. Yeah, uh, this was horrible. Uh, it was just another dumb idea somebody had. I was sitting here wondering, if you're going to do such a, like a stupid idea, at least get like the Street Profits to do it. Right. They'd probably even do a better job at it. But no, it was a segment where Eric and Ivar, in like t-shirts and jeans, other than like their... But they had that on to their normal guys, but then driving around with their headgear and face paint on. And they're not even... So like, I guess the good thing about carpool karaoke is like you have music stars and stuff singing their songs in a car and like you know it's a song that you can kind of enjoy that you might know or you like these this was just like a made-up song some made-up viking song is this their theme music like where did this come from i have no idea i have no idea i first got him a turkey leg and they're just they're they're there's no way it's their theme music i thought it was a promo first yeah and that they were going to sing a song like later like do a parody or something but no they were just talking like they were just doing this little thing and the the only Viking thing about it, like I said, was their headgear and which one was Ivar? Yeah. Had the big turkey leg. Yeah. It was the worst thing. And I'm glad you mentioned the revival because I posted on Twitter when this happened, there's no way that revival stuff is real. And then see it's Viking Raiders carpool karaoke. Or because it 100% was. This doofy hat, red lipstick, bullcrap revival stuff. It's 100% real, because this is the company that makes the Viking Raiders, uh, excuse me, War Machine, one of the greatest independent acts, tag team acts of all time, the War Raiders, NXT champions, just absolute murders the tag team division, two incredibly talented tag team wrestlers, alright, I mean obnoxiously good, they bring them to Raw, they defeat a bunch of jobbers, they win the titles, they defeat a bunch of jobbers, they lose the titles, and now they're goofs in an SUV singing carpool karaoke. This was an F minus, and I would give it a worse grade if I was allowed to. This was one of the worst segments I have ever, ever seen. I mean, like, it's, it's mind numbing. Killed their character. It's so like, stupid. Yeah, it's just dumb, just baffling. I don't know who like thought this. Was, like, what? What is this? What is the benefit of this? Right. Like, who? What matches this building towards? Right. Who? Like, are they? They didn't even address anybody. Like, hey, we're in a car. Let's go run over street profits or somebody. <laughs> like, nothing. <laughs> it's had nothing to do with anything. But hey, let's make the Viking Raiders go on TV and do something stupid because we think it'll be funny. Well, remember the street profits did that SNL gag. That was really, really stupid. But you know what? Montez Ford is entertaining enough. Angelo Dawkins is really good. Montez Ford is one of the most charismatic people ever. But Angelo Dawkins is very good. Did they make it work? No. It was bad. They did it twice. It was equally bad both times. But you can still take the Street Profits kind of seriously because they're two big goofballs. The Viking Raiders are two monsters. Would you ever see... Okay, imagine this. Okay, for my wrestling historians. Can you see... Were the Road Warriors doing this? No. 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 So no way. That's basically who the Viking Raiders are. They're today's Road Warriors. Or they could be if they were booked properly. But unfortunately, no. 
they're a whole lot of nothing now, and they got to do a whole lot to repair this character. I mean, could you imagine the Dudley Boys doing this? Like, not even no. like a like the Hardys. Maybe Edge and Christian. Yeah, because they're goofy, Maybe. but still, I don't know. It was dumb. I, I hated this, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna take that grade down because boy, it was bad. So Apollo Cruz versus MVP was next, and I got to get past that segment because boy, uh, this match was fine. Apollo Cruz won. Uh, there were a couple things I didn't like about it. MVP was like slapping him on the head. He says, "There's no no way you can beat me. I have wins over guys like Batista, Rey Mysterio, Kane." He hits him with his finisher clean. One, two, no. Apollo Cruz kicks out. Why does Apollo Cruz got to kick out of MVP's finisher on a Raw where there's no fans? I didn't like it. I'm glad Apollo Cruz won, but I don't care. Like. And that's sad, because I really like Apollo Crews, and I want to care, but they're like, this is Apollo Crews' biggest win in his entire career, and I'm like, alright, he'd just be like a 50-year-old man who, like, kinda was the, he was like, he was a good mid-carder 15 years ago, I mean, come on, I don't know, I, I just, I think it's an indictment on Apollo Crews when you say this is the biggest win of his career, come on, like, give, give him more credit than that. And even if it is, don't mention it, please. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm happy you won. Uh, and it was a good match, you know, for what it was. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Charlie's backstage with Ruby Riot. Ruby says, I was just using the Riot Squad. Boom. Ruby Riot versus Liv Morgan is next. <laughs> Liv won. Uh, Liv's finisher, though. I love Liv's finisher. She basically does a flatliner, but she she grabs someone against the ropes and pulls them down. And it the one she did in this match, of course, her and Ruby in real life are very, very good friends. Um, obviously, Ruby wanted to put her over big, and it just looked so cool. This match was not bad. I don't know what they did want to do. Did you see the one she hit against Santana? No. Yeah, don't watch that one. Okay. This one was much better. Okay. <laughs> so was, yeah she wrestled santana on something i think i saw it on uh instagram uh yeah santana did a horrible job with it ruby did a much better job still in this move okay yeah so yeah but it looked great it really did and i don't know what they're doing with ruby right though maybe they are done with her because she came back they're like ah look i'm gonna be an immediate heel and attack my friend and then nothing so i, I don't know I, I like ruby right but as far as i'm concerned they, they got nothing for her so, Bobby Lashley is backstage in the Performance Center, and I think he was back there before. I might have missed something. It doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you about all of them right now. So, the first one, he's back there with Lana. Lana's like, he's so powerful. He's so sculpted. He's my Bobby. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do something cool. And then later, he's like, I'm going to flip this big tire. And he flips the big tire. And then, he says, next time, I'm going to flip this monster truck tire. Then he has another segment, and he flips the monster truck tire. And Jerry Lawler's like, wow, there's no one out, no other athlete that can do that. I'm like, all right. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be watching here. Like, he can flip a tire. We had carpool karaoke. What in the world? What, what are we watching? So, Money in the Bank qualifying match. Murphy versus Rey Mysterio. I'm not going to go into specifics. Please watch this match. Uh, Rey Mysterio pretended to break his finger. Buddy Murphy did not care and attacked his hand the entire time. This match was great. Rey Mysterio won. And yes, Buddy Murphy, my current favorite and up-and-comers in WWE. I really wanted to see in this match. But boy, Rey Mysterio doesn't have a lot of years left. I mean, I don't think he does. He's wrestling just as good now as he has for the last 15 years. 
But boy, I'm just, I'm really glad he's in it. It's going to be so entertaining, so good. Yeah, it's a really good match, and I was kind of hoping Buddy would win because he could have used it. Uh, and I think he would have been great in the ladder match, but I mean, I didn't didn't mind him, you know, losing to Ray, especially in this fashion. They had a good match. Don't think it hurt him that much. Uh, and he's you know coming off being in a group with Seth. I guess he's over it now, even though he had like. No, no, he, he had, like, no, like, he's not over it. He had the disciple tights on, yeah, and then yeah, when he that. when he came out, they had Seth. He like he stopped on the ramp, and they showed the modern day Messiah uh, graphic behind him. Oh yeah, yeah, so he, yeah. He's not so, over it. Yeah, yeah. I remember him having the tight the thing on his tights, and I was kind of like wondering about it. But uh, hopefully, he moves away from it because I mean, Seth. I mean, AOP is kind of like he he couldn't probably by himself. Uh, so I don't know, but yeah. Murphy did great here, so I don't think he lost much from it. Other than a shot to be in this crazy ladder match. Right. So, after that, Zelina Vega and Angel Garza are backstage. Zelina cuts a promo. Uh, after she walks away, Angel Garza starts to, and he turns around and looks at Charlie. He says a couple things and flirts with her, and she smiles, and she is smitten with this guy. And they've, yeah, they've hope, done that before. they do something with them. Yeah, I, I hope they do something. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I could not stand Charlie at first. Um, but very much like Byron Saxton, who I loathed, uh, she's growing on me. So I, well, I, They make their backstage announcers say stupid stuff yeah. like, so often. Like, it doesn't help them at all. It's like, hey, uh, Rey Mysterio, how's that finger? What, what do you Alistair mean? Mr. Black, what is your game plan in your match next week? Yeah, I'm going to win. Like, perfect. It was a perfect yeah. thing to say. It was good. It was good. Uh, Charlotte Flair versus Caden Carter. Charlotte won in a couple minutes. Caden Carter, if you've watched NXT, is very talented. She is not a top-tier NXT female wrestler. She uh, can take an elbow to the face, though. She is great. Caden Carter is really good, and I hope that given time, she is... is I really think she can be something special. I do. Yeah. Solid. Uh, she's got a good look to her. And, yeah, uh, very unique. Yeah, for sure. So, well, what's next? Uh, where's my notes? Oh, Andrade versus Akira Tozawa, which is also... Uh, this is the best jobber match I've ever seen. It's not true. <laughs> but, boy, I, I love Akira Tozawa so much. He's just so good. And I wish that he was given more due than what he really... Hey, you know, he picked up the first win in the uh, Cruiserweight... Basically, the Cruiserweight G1 that they're having. Yeah. So he's got a shot. So, I don't know. I like him a lot. And he lost to Andrade because, of course, he did. And he needed to. Andrade doesn't need to lose to someone like Akira Tozawa. Nothing against him, but he's just not booked to, be, to look strong. But it, it was good. It was a good match. Akira Tozawa is one of those guys where, even if he loses, he always looks strong. And I think that, I don't know, WWE would never do it. But if he was in another, if he was in a New Japan or an AEW or even a Ring of Honor, I really think that, even in a lo- even in a loss, he could turn himself into something, but it'll never happen in WWE. Yeah. So Bianca Belair is wrestling Santana Garrett next, and Santana Garrett from Orlando, Florida. By the way, uh, this match is great. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Uh, so Bianca Belair basically beat the snot out of Santana Garrett. Um, I've I don't want to say I've followed Santana Garrett's career, but I've seen her wrestle before, and she's very talented. I'm glad to see her in WWE. Uh, I'm glad Bianca Belair is officially a Raw roster member. The Street Profits were out there, and they introduced her. They were on commentary, which means Byron, Jerry Lawler, and Tom Phillips were not, 
because oh my gosh, they talked the entire time. And yes, they all sat next to each other as well. They're entertaining, but oh my gosh, they're so loud. And I'm like, okay, guys, it's like that's ten- another reason I wanted them in the carpool karaoke because I, yeah. I hated them in this segment because yeah. Bianca, she did a good job yeah. in her match. But they were yelling the entire time, especially toward the finish. They yeah, were like, sort of freaking out. Guys, it's 10.30. Relax. Relax. So annoyed. So, uh, yeah, basically Bianca Belair beat Santana Garrett in just a few minutes. But Santana did get a little bit of offense in. The match was fun. Bianca Belair had this really cool uh, NXT of, of, I'm sorry, EST of Raw on. And she had Raw all over her gear. And uh, she had Raw written next to the EST. It was just it was a really cool get up. She's incredibly talented. She is the future of women's wrestling, 100%. Nothing can get Shayna Baszler, uh, but Bianca is, is of, of the two of them, is someone that will last longer, and because she's more talented and she's younger. So she will be the future for a long, long time. And yeah, her, her and Rhea have yeah. a very bright future. Yeah, 100%. You know, I said, man, we got to push someone more than the... the, the uh, uh, four horsewomen, and this is someone they can push. And she's she's big, but she has got a good look to her. I'm telling you, man, Bianca Belair is going to be something special. Oh, yeah. I agree. Main event time. Drew McIntyre versus Angel Garza. Um, this match was good. It was fine. It was short. It was what it needed to be. They had some interference from Austin Theory and Andrade. McIntyre did not care, did not give two flips because he just beat the snot out of both of them. He yep. Kicked Angel Garza in the face and won. And Andrade, no, no, I'm sorry. Austin Theory climbs into the ring, like half dead. And he's like drowsy. And they're like, what is he doing? He's he's braver than he is smart. And then Drew McIntyre kicks him in the face. And then I don't remember exactly what happened. I think like Andrade grabbed the title and was running away with it. But Drew McIntyre caught him. I don't really know. But either way, they ended up on the, the ramp. And, uh... Drew McIntyre kind of redid that old uh, Shawn Michaels picture. If you've seen that making the rounds, yep, yep. So. He actually cc'd uh, Shawn Michaels on Twitter, which is great. Yeah, but no, I, w- I will say he did give one flip because he actually did a moonsault over the top rope to the outside. Yeah, two hundred sixty-five pounds. Ridiculous. Drew He's a giant man. Yeah, and then he, afterwards, he hit, yeah, he hit everyone. And then afterwards, he goes to Vasily Vega and is like, "Yeah, I can do that too." Yeah, which is I can great. do everything. He's, yeah, he's so charismatic. He's great. And, yeah, he yelled that at her, and like the camera panned to her, and she was just staring at him in yeah. like, fear, and I laughed so hard. Yeah. It was so great. Can, can we say, can we just stop and appreciate Selena Vega just briefly? Oh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's been She's been one of the superstars of these empty arena shows. Yeah, I told my wife, I said, I'm so glad the four of these guys have been included so much in these empty arena shows. Cause I, I think they all kind of live in the Orlando area. I know Austin Theory does because he worked with NXT for so long and he moved there. But I, I am very, very glad the four of them are getting a spotlight because they're so talented. Zelina Vega is really, the art of the manager is lost right now. And she is one of the few in major American wrestling that makes it seem important again. Yeah. She just does a wonderful job. And I am so glad that she has got all three of these guys to manage. And just think, just a couple months ago, she was only managing Andrade, and they were talking about breaking them up. I mean, oh my gosh, what kind of mistake would that have been? They probably would have done it, too, yep. if they had the chance. Yep. But, I mean, yeah, even in the match with Austin Theory that she was on commentary for with uh, Aleister Black, 
she, I mean, I just even loved her. She wasn't too annoying, like on the commentary. Like, yeah, she was just she's great. Putting over theory, and they were like saying how he didn't belong with uh, Black, and she was just like you know standing up for her client. But it was even funny how she would like talk about how he was on offense, and then Black would like destroy him in the face of the knee, and she would just stop what she was saying and just be like, oh, just like. <laughs> Just stop her in her tracks. Like, she's, like, bragging about him, and he just knees him in the face, and she's like, whoops, never mind. Like, yeah. It, it was great. Yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, I mean, I really like this stable with her and Andrade, Theory, and Garza. I think they're all doing great. Theory still needs some work in the ring, but, I mean, I love Garza, Andrade. Like, yeah. they're they're fantastic. I, I love seeing them. And Drew just killing them each week. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying every bit of it. Yeah. It's my favorite part of Raw, honestly. I hope he wrestles Austin Theory next week. Just do the trifecta. Why not? Sure. Yeah, he could wrestle all three of them at the same time. Yeah, basically. This he bet, yeah, he's I doing mean, it yeah. all the time. Yeah, but this this raw was really fun. Um, gosh, like I I enjoyed this raw, but carpool karaoke, guys. Yeah. So considering that's one of the worst segments I have ever seen, ever of all time, and it might be the second worst or the third worst. Except for the uh, the top two would be the revival Uso segments with the uh, back shaving and the Usi Hot. Usi Hot is the worst segment I've ever seen in my life. Worse than the hand. Yes, um, I'm gonna say, gosh, like this raw was fine, but oh my gosh, that segment. I'm gonna give it a C, and that's because the lows of this raw were lower than nor- significantly lower than normal. I did. I love the Street Profits, but my gosh, please don't let them be on commentary anymore, guys. No, not at all. Please no. There's some squash matches, but even the squash matches were fun. The Raw was good, but the bads were really bad. So it's a C. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... It was, to me, like the highs of it were better than what was on SmackDown, but the lows were way worse than what was on SmackDown. So, like, if the lows hadn't been there, I probably would give it a BB minus. Yeah, that same. There, I'm kind of with you, like... I can't give it higher than that. So I'm going to say C plus just because I enjoyed the Drew McIntyre stuff so much. And I mean, there, the squash matches on here and like the qualifier matches were good. Um, I don't know. Like, it, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go with C plus pushing up on a B minus. Like it was kind of in the middle there between me. So like, yeah, I can't quite give it a, a, a B minus. So I'm going to say C plus. Okay, cool. So, this has been episode 99 of Russell Life Radio. What did you think of these episodes? Let us know what you think of Raw, SmackDown, and AEW. And uh, we'll be back. I thought you were asking what do you think about all 99 of our episodes. No, no, no. no. That's a little, <laughs> little too much. Yeah. Uh, yes, if you would like to sing us praises, we would also be okay with that. Next I'm week is... a detailed report. Yes, exactly. Uh, Ten pages, please. Next week is episode 100. And we hope you tell all of your friends. We appreciate you guys. Don't forget this Saturday is episode two of Indie Focus with Shiloh. Hashtag support indie wrestling. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can find me at Wrestle Life Matt on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. You can't find Micah anywhere because he doesn't want to give that away. That sneaky, sneaky boy. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 99, you know the drill. Thank you so much. We honestly appreciate you. We wouldn't be doing this without you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful, absolutely wonderful day. See you guys.